1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, and I will be reading the entire chapter as a preface. The word of the Lord. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were to our example, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted, neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh... Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. But why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give not offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Thus far the reading of God's word. A lot to that chapter. A lot of obscure things, I think, in that chapter. He's dealing, first of all, he talks about the church in the wilderness, Israelites. This, during this next week, uh, Lord willing, I'll be doing a series of DVDs with Richard Bennett at uh, Berean Beacon. 
org, which many of you remember perhaps when uh, he came. Uh, and uh, he's looking forward. He asked me to bring greetings and uh, is looking forward to coming again. We're going to do uh, two DVDs on the subject of Rome's claim that uh, Peter was the first pope or first bishop of Rome. And what we're going to do is take actual statements, much of it, most of it is actual statements from Roman documents proving, uh, and we, we will make their case for them and then examine what they say and uh, deal with, with their individuals. So nobody can accuse us of uh, misrepresenting them. But one of the verses that uh, in my research I thought was very interesting because, of course, Rome hangs its hat primarily uh, on the, the well-known verse uh, when uh, Peter expressed his faith in Christ. Uh, Christ said, uh, Thou art Peter, and upon this, or Cephas, and upon this rock I will build my church. And their argument is, though, uh, that meant that the church is built on the man Peter, or the apostle, and somehow they jump from that to apostolic succession. They don't explain exactly how that works. But, but this, uh, so the, the, there's a whole debate on the meaning of the word rock. You know, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What does rock mean? Does it mean Peter himself? He's a rock? Or does it mean faith in Christ? And upon faith in Christ will I build this church? Well, look at verse 4 in what we just read in chapter 10. And they did all drink, talking about the Israelites, the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Peter? No. That rock was Christ. So we've been, I, I just, that had jumped out at me when uh, doing research for that DVD. That's not the subject of the sermon this morning. He's talking about here a lot about uh, eating and drinking. Some years ago I preached on, on some other of this that has to do with eating and drinking, the changing the dietary laws. We did a few sermons on that. And the uh, idea that Christians, uh, you know, there should be a list of Christians of what you can't drink and what you can't eat. And he deals with that and says, no such list. No such list exists. Um, of course, back then the, the concern was uh, they had meat that was sacrificed to idols. You know, they they kill a cow or a chicken or something and sacrifice it to a pagan god. And the Christians said, well, I, you know, uh, what if I go to the market and I buy a chicken that's been sacrificed to a pagan god? You know, will I be in sin if I eat this chicken? I don't even know that it's been sacrificed to a pagan god. And he says, no, just eat it. He says, everything the Lord, he says, everything the Lord has made is good. Not everything is edifying. He says, not everything uh, you know, you don't you don't go out and eat arsenic just because the Lord made arsenic. You know, He gives you common sense too. Uh, but there's nothing in and of itself that is bad. Uh, it's the way we use it. And uh, so he's he's saying if if, if uh, you know it doesn't matter if the chicken has been sacrificed or not, it'll go ahead and eat it. And if somebody says, oh, eat this. Here's come for dinner at my house, and I'll serve you. And you know he's a pagan, uh, and he sacrificed to idols, and he serves you food. If he doesn't say anything, go ahead and eat it. But if he says, well, here, eat this. This has been sacrificed to an idol. Don't eat it. But not for you. It's, your, it's not your sinning. You just don't eat it, to, to, it as basically a testimony to Christ that I don't believe in sacrificing to idols. You know, you're sacrificed to a pagan god, so I'm not going to do it. For his sake, but not for your sake. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you eat uh, in that sense. All right. So let's start the sermon. <laughs> Suppose you're talking about the Bible to somebody who isn't a Christian, but they seem kind of interested in what you have to say. 
we, we went over the road, passed out the Roman road a few weeks ago. Handy little witnessing tool. Suppose they say to you, you know, I never realized how much there, there is in the Bible. I always thought it was mostly stories about, you know, Noah and Jesus and Samson, we just read, and Adam and Eve and, and all that. Uh, there's a lot for me to learn. Now, that'd be really encouraging if somebody said that to you. They might be on the road to, to believing. And then they say, well, I've always wondered, why are we here? What's, what's our purpose to be alive? What would your answer be? Probably most evangelicals would say our purpose on earth is to believe in Jesus and witness to other people. And that's critical to, for, uh, for everyone to, to hear the gospel. Uh, no man comes to the Father except through Christ, as Jesus said in John 6, 44. Uh, so without faith in Christ, you will be forever lost, condemned to hell for your sins. And, and every Christian is commanded, as we know, to evangelize, to bring the gospel to everyone, baptizing them, teaching them, as, as uh, Christ said. And in every way to take the gospel and that the Lord has gifted you, to use your talents, whatever your special talents are, in a way that glorifies him uh, and witnesses to the uh, to the word of God. So we're all ministers of the gospel. First uh, Peter 2 says we're Christians are a royal priesthood. We are a priest. You ever think of yourself as a priest? You are. That's what the scripture says. Uh, you're a chosen generation, the verse says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So we are his own special people. Uh, so we're called to preach the gospel in different ways, to use our gifts in different ways, witnessing fervent prayer, even if you're bedridden, can't get out of bed. You know, you can still be a great witness uh, in, in your prayer life. Uh, and I, I know some great uh, people uh, through my life that I've known uh, who have been bedridden, shut-ins, uh, and yet they have tremendous prayer ministries, far more than I have. Uh, and they make a point of, uh, of sending a lot of mail out to people. You know, whether it's a birthday, your birthday, you get a birthday card from this person. I'm sure you've perhaps known people like that. You, and you get a, a note of encouragement if you've done something that they hear about or whatever it is. Well, what could be more important in life than to believe in Jesus and evangelize? Well, there's one thing that's more important. In fact, it's a teaching more important, said Thomas Watson, the Puritan writer, more important than the salvation of every person's soul. See, despite what many believe, the message of the Bible is not limited to simply get saved and save others. Watson said, the teaching that's the most important, more than the salvation of every man's soul, is found, among other places, in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, the teaching is that God's glory comes first before anything else or to glorify God. And that's actually the first question and answer, if you remember the Westminster uh, Catechism. Short Catechism, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is glorify God, enjoy him forever. Exactly right. How do we know that answer is true? Well, God's word says it is. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Please turn to the Psalms. Psalm 50. Psalm 50, 
verse 15, and call upon me at the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. In Psalm 115, verse 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. And, of course, the, the teaching there is we are to give glory to him as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought, you are bought with a price, meaning the crucifixion of Christ and uh, his salvation. So you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. But what does this mean? I mean, it's, you know, glorify God. I, you know, I heard that for years, but I didn't know what it meant, really. What does glorify God mean? Well, the emphasis is to glorify God alone in all circumstances so there's no room left for you, your pride, for you to boast. Uh, You know that's one of the distinguishing marks of what's called the Reformed faith, that God is glorified in the concentration of both the sovereignty of God and glorifying him. The emphasis on glorifying God alone in all circumstances is one of the distinguishing marks of the Reformed faith. Well, let's turn the question around about what it means to glorify God. What does it mean to glorify yourself? Well, that's kind of easier to answer, isn't it? Boasting, bragging, taking credit for things that you didn't do, taking credit for things you did do, accepting flattery, pride, and the buzzword today, of course, is self-esteem, which is the same thing. <laughs> Thinking and acting as though you're in control of what happens in your life. You, know, you can be whatever you want to be. You control your destiny. None of that is glorifying God. See, the exhortation in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, refers to our motive, our purpose in life. Why are we here? Why did God put us here? The one supreme purpose of every Christian's life should be to glorify God. And again, what does it mean to, 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 to glorify God? Well, one way to put it, I'll, I'll just put it one way, to, uh, to bring credit and honor upon him. He deserves all the credit, all the honor. He created you. You're his offspring. He's the one in whom you live and move and have your being, as it says in Acts 17. So it's completely the opposite of glorifying ourselves. If we truly love God, we should be anxious that he would be understood by the world, obeyed by the world, honored by the world, and loved. So if you love the Lord, you want to please him in all things. And if you're known as a Christian... And this occurred to me when I actually when I was writing the sermon. Never thought about it before. If you're known as a Christian, you bear the name of Christ in the world. I mean, if you call yourself a Christian, Christian, you are bearing the name of Christ. And you must do nothing that brings dishonor upon Christ. You are bearing his name. Because yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. A believer in Christ. 
And what, it, what does it mean to bring dishonor upon him? By promoting your own name instead of Christ's name, your own person, personality, instead of Christ's name. By thinking of what you want instead of what Christ wants for you. I think the attitude that dishonors Christ was expressed in a, in a book of a few years ago. A man named Robert Ringer wrote a book, and it was called Looking Out for Number One. Looking out for number one. And the number one he was talking about wasn't Jesus Christ. It's it's a perfect title. It expresses it, it tells you, you know, you're number one, you gotta look out for yourself. Basically, you're you know, you're number one, which means everybody else in the world is number two or less, right? <laughs> so it expresses what the life attitude of non believers are. The complete opposite from Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In, in that's Colossians 3, and a very similar verse in, in our First Corinthians verse. Uh, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, uh, do all to the glory of God. Rigor, instead of Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Ringer, the author's name, 317 would see would read whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of number one yourself now it doesn't say this Colossians verse a parallel verse to to our first Corinthians verse it doesn't say whatsoever you do in church do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus or whatsoever you do when you're feeling close to God do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus no, the commandment is whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whether it's praying and singing, whatever, whatsoever you do at work, whatsoever you do uh, in, in, in your studies, whatsoever you do with friends, with neighbors, when you're driving, uh, when you're angry with your parents, or they're angry with you, or you're angry with your brothers and sisters, or they're angry with you, or uh, you're angry at your kids... What, whatsoever you do when nobody's around watching you, nobody knows what you do, the commandment that you to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. How do we glorify God? Well, I've, I've given you some ways to think about that question. Psalm 103 is another, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We are to bless, that is, glorify the Lord with all that is within us, our soul, our physical body, our hearts, our lips, and our lives. With our hearts, by knowing him, trusting him, praying to him, loving him, admiring him, adoring him, remembering him. With our lips, by glorifying him, speaking of him, praising him, witnessing him to the world, bringing the gospel to the lost, and with our lives by thinking and doing everything which he commands out of love to him. Deuteronomy 10, beginning in verse 12, says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. 
Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. And since he is the creator, as this verse says, of everything, one way you glorify him is when you observe anything in creation and recognize it comes from him and you give thanks to him for it. When creation testifies you of his glory, his power, and his majesty, How important is it to God that he be glorified by us? More important, said Thomas Watson, than the salvation of everyone's soul. The glory of God, his creatures giving him glory for who he is. Psalm 73, beginning of verse 24, says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go a-whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Let's go to him in prayer. Indeed, we do glorify Thee, Father, and seek to glorify Thee in all of our works, in all of our thoughts, in our life, Father. Please make it so in our lives that more and more, every day, we grow in grace to glorify Thy name, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, that we glorify Thee, Father. Finally, Father, we ask for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, Father, for our little congregation and for all faithful congregations around the world. Again, it is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.